0: Welcome to Unstyled. I'm your host, Christine Barbrick, co-founder and global editor-in-chief of Refinery29. Each week, I invite a notable person to come in and talk with us as we explore the funny, inspiring, sometimes heartbreaking tales of life, work, and love, as told through the things that we wear. Most of us know Dorinda Medley as the bold and beloved Real Housewife of New York, a Manhattan powerhouse who keeps it real, makes it nice, and always stands firm amidst the Bravo mania. But Dorinda is also a woman who's lived many lives and weathered her share of crushing tragedy. She may be a star in the high drama world of the Real Housewives, but she knows better than anyone that reality and real life are two very different things. Having grown up in the Massachusetts Berkshires, Dorinda moved to London with her first husband shortly after college. She launched her first company, DCL Cashmere, and had her daughter, Hannah. With the end of that marriage came a relocation to New York City, where Dorinda and Hannah could have a fresh start. She moved on to a successful real estate career, which ultimately connected her with her second husband, Richard, while trying to sell him an apartment on the Upper East Side. Richard and Dorinda had six years together, before she lost him to a tragic and untimely death. If you've watched The Real Housewives of New York City, you know that Richard wasn't just a partner to Dorinda. He was a kindred spirit, even a soulmate. And nearly 10 years later, Dorinda is still healing from that loss. Perhaps one of her most defining characteristics, on the show and off, is her openness about grief and the ways it's changed her, and her priorities. Faced with the fragility of life, Dorinda places a high premium on her own, relishing her time alone and exploring all the facets of what could be. She still values romantic love and friendship, but with a new understanding of how those relationships can change. And marriage, she says, just isn't for her anymore. While she's been with her partner John for seven years, she has no plans to marry or even move in with him. Her life is entirely her own. And at 54 years old, she makes no apologies for that. In the midst of her third act, Dorinda became a reality television star, a big one. It's a role she enjoys, but one she recognizes as just one of her many projects, a chapter in the long book of her life. The Dorinda we know is one facet of an identity forged in hard work and also hardship. We may not get to see the whole woman on our screens each week, but that's fine by her. Dorinda Medley knows exactly who she is and who she's becoming. Dorinda Medley, it is such a pleasure to have you on On Style today. Very Thank you. excited. Thanks. I've been excited all week about oh, this. Oh, I've been, I've been so excited all week. I think The Real Housewives, the franchise, obviously, it's enormously successful now. But I think that there's sort of this um, impression that the people that are on the show have never had careers before. Or lives. Like we started with... Well, I think in in many ways they find their fame and their fortune on the show. And I think for, for, for many people. However... You've had many careers, and I think what was interesting in the last season where we learned that you were a really famous and influential aerobics instructor. Yes. Um, and I would just say fitness instructor. Door aerobics. I'm still doing it right I mean, now. Yeah, fitness instructor because aerobics was like that was the thing then. But you were also a real estate Broker, yes, a really successful one. That's where you met Richard, your late husband, and you I also had a cashmere company, big cashmere company in London
1: called DCL Cashmere. And Princess Diana was one of my big clients. I mean, she used to say to me, "Oh, my dear doppelganger," because I, I mean, in the d- old days, I used to look like her more. Now I'm like an aged Princess Diana. But in the old days, it was really funny. There always would be a lot of Japanese tourists around Buckingham Palace. They you thought know. you were her. Yes,
0: like, just you know, hanging
1: out <laughs> at like, the. Oh, um, so, yeah, I did that because I was married to a Scottish man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we was, we had a home up in in Scotland. And we, there was all these great factories up there that I would – I'm all about – you know, when I was growing up, we were all about going to the Crayola Cran Factory, the m M&M m Factory. Remember when that was a big thing mm-hmm. where you'd go visit how things were made before all the legal stuff got involved? Yes. You know, they didn't have the glass windows up. Like you were practically sticking your finger in the chocolate vatch, yes, tasting that's, it.
0: That, that's like Hershey Park. Yes. Yeah.
1: So I started to tour all the factories in Scotland on the weekends because I was just sort of like, what am I doing in this place? It was so different Were for you me. Were a little lonely? Very lonely because, you yeah. know, Scotland, you, I, I don't know if it's me, but the weather was definitely worse. And I would bring Hannah mm-hmm. in her stro- in her pram mm-hmm. to the factories. And I just decided one day, you know what? They just only had a certain kind of cashmere back then, which was Harrods, Scotch House, mm-hmm. and it was all very traditional. So I started to make more like the untraditional Pullover. I did the extended sleeve with the armhole. Now, Ralph Lauren's gonna not I'd never admit to this, but I met with the Ralph Lauren person, and I was the first person to put my finger through the armhole. Everyone, you heard it here.
0: Wow. I I mean, was, that was impressive. a big invention
1: of mine. So when I came out
0: with that. That's with an aha uh-huh un- moment.
1: I, with, with the unfinished edge, with the really small armholes, so your breasts look larger.
0: Mm-hmm. I well, I don't know about that.
1: <laughs> I, ne- I never made
0: that, that, that
1: correlation. Well, I did. And I sort of decided to take the original casual. An, an, a higher armhole is just more flattering. Well, yeah, because it, t- it hugs your breasts a little more.
0: Well, or just so makes you, your arm. I think you just I the whole. Makes, the I just whole want my thing. arms
1: to look. Good. Well, they look thinner and yeah. longer. And mm-hmm. then if you do an extended sleeve, your arms look longer, so it gives you sort of that almost ballet. You know, when we were growing up, and you'd always see these ads for capizio, mm-hmm. and they always had the long. <laughs>
0: <laughs> None of my
1: listeners are going to know skin. what that is.
0: No, no, no. I mean, I love capizios, though. I do. I'm going to. I'm actually going to look for them on. You eBay can still right buy it. Yeah, I bought
1: myself a unitard the other day. <laughs> I did. I bought myself the uh, the one with the spaghetti straps. You'll you know where I'm going with this. I know. It, had the, it was a unitar, spaghetti straps. I bought it in nude, white, and black. And I'm gonna tell you something. You throw that baby on on a Saturday with a cute little sweater, you look
0: fantastic. It's got the snaps though, right? You know because no, mine's were, the full length, full. Uh, you have to take everything off. It's like and then you go to uh, the, no, the bathroom you and just you're naked. Pull it it's like, down. I one, can't... two, three. Oh, I, I I'm telling you, do it
1: once with the full length, the full body to the floor. You can get a foot or footless. By the way.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for that advice. So, you and Luann actually met on a dance floor at a bar mitzvah. Is that correct? Years and years and years ago. I was actually uh, just married to Richard. Is that how you got connected to the show? Well, no. you were
1: friends with Bermona. I, okay, it's a funny thing about the show. I was just back. I'd been living in London for almost a decade, and I was a, a single mom. Well, not really. I mean, Hannah's father's huge was hugely involved in her life and still is, and he's a great guy, Ralph Lynch. But I was living in New York and um, kind of getting acclimated back to the U.S., And Ramona's daughter also went to Sacred Heart, where Mm -hmm. Hannah went, and we just became friends. She was stylish, she was quirky, she was exactly kind of the way she is. I know, but she was, but she actually is very, she has a very, she took me under her wings, I have to say. And we just kind of became friends. And I, you know, if you live on the Upper East Side, it's like a fishbowl. Everybody knows each other. You go to the same places. You take your children to all the same activities. You go, you know, there's a certain, there's sort of the 10 prep schools where everyone goes. So you just end up, it becomes a community that, by the way, I can't poo-poo because it made it very nice for my daughter. It was Mm -hmm. like she was living in the suburbs on the Upper East Side. And this whole thing came around that there was this guy doing the show called Moms of New York. And they were going around to all the women, saying, "What do you think about it? Would you be on it?" Jill Zarin was spearheading it, actually,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Jill Zarin. And um, they came to me, and they were like, "Well, maybe would you think about maybe talking about it?" And I was like, "It sounds like the most ridiculous idea. You're, they're going to follow around women going to their places on the, you know, in New York." I just didn't get. And also, too, I was in kind of a single mom. Hannah was in private school. The timing wasn't right. You know, I wanted to just be all mom at that point. And sort of focus on her, and it's also such an it was such an unknown correct. entity at that point. Well, there was no reality TV. I no. think there was Craig, a first rate guy, maybe. Mm-hmm. But even that, you didn't really, you know, it just it wasn't the mode I was in. And then when I met met, I married Richard. But you got to remember, folks, I was on the show throughout all the seasons. You can see me in the background in a lot of scenes. So I would go to the parties. So I'm in the shows.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, there's a famous scene with me with Jill Zarin at her daughter's charity event. Yeah. I would like to just say for the record that I think that what happened to Jill leaving the show really sucked. And I just think that you know she was like an original, and she's also kind of fun to watch. She's fun to t- she's fun to hear from too. So. Well, she's an
1: original, and I'll tell you that thing about Jill is she's an all in housewife. She lives it, breeds it, loves it. Why can't she come back on the show? I know everybody thinks everyone knows everyone's ins and outs. They ask questions. You really don't. And I'm no. I'm one of these people that
0: don't. You can ask. tell at the reunion
1: that each of you can be close friends, but that you have your own lives. Yeah, but I'm actually really good friends with a bunch of them. And with I was all of co- them? No, no, not with all of them. But like I definitely have a really like I was on the phone with Bethany this morning mm-hmm. and I talked to Ramona yesterday and Sonia's guy like, you gotta call me. That's nice. Because we have a lot in common. You mm-hmm. know, we it just is. I mean we all but like any life, I I'm, I'm sure you have friends that you're friends with and then you have other friends that don't know each other and I'm very multi layered like that. Like I have my friends in the Berkshires, I have my friends in London. Mm-hmm. I have all kinds of wacky friends in New York from all different walks of life. But I like it like that. I like having many worlds to dip into. I think it keeps you sane, it keeps you grounded and and also too, I like having well, very one on one relationship. Yes. I mean I don't think that we can always just be one thing. So is it real that in my real life I spend five days a week with these women? No. But you know we do actually know each each other, you know, about
0: each other's lives and children and things and any major event you'd be invited to. Yeah. I think the trips are always like such a um, – the trips <laughs> that everyone takes that have become a signature of the show. Like – yeah, I go on trips with my girlfriends, but not like as a gigantic group. I mean, no. it's like the group The group trip has really become like the—, the... Because the audience loves—we
1: do our best. The audience loves to see us all together because we are I truly... think they just like to see the packing <laughs> and the
0: unpacking and then the packing again. It's true. I'll tell you something. Those, and who will get the those drunkest? Slice,
1: those slice-of-life scenes, they call them, where people watch us pack or unpack or just do something wacky. With that crazy music in the back, then, dun 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 dun, dun, dun. <laughs> they always say that music. But it works. I mean, you can do the simplest of scene on the show, and I, it's one of the things that amazed me after the first year, and it, and it goes viral. You'll just do the fun, the simplest of action, and all of a sudden there's nine
0: billion gifs about it and memes, and you know they replay it a hundred times. Well, I just want to say that unstyled, this podcast has always been a place for for women to tell their stories. But I've been thinking about the idea of having a man on for the first time, and Andy Cohen is actually at the top of that list. Wow. If I were he's to have great. somebody, he's coming, great on radio. He's he's just. Great in general. Mm-hmm. He seems like a really, really creative, talented person, and I, I also think it must not be easy, kind of navigating all the different personalities and conversations happening during those reunions. And he really seems to deeply care.
1: Well, he, I, you know what the thing is is Andy is he's done something very clever where he has been able to keep a professional relationship with all the girls but you can also also talk to him if you need to. I think it's important not to step that line because at the end of the day, you know, I he's like my I call him my boss. But yeah. you know, you you he's always very happy to see you and he's always makes you feel like you're part of a family. Like I really have to say, I've said this a million times. Walking into his baby shower in in uh Las, uh, Las Vegas. Well, that would be quite a treat in uh, Los Angeles. <laughs> walking into that baby shower and seeing the all of us there, meaning we call it the Bravo family. Yeah. I kind of burst into tears because and I didn't think I'd have that reaction. I'm like, oh, we're going to L.A., I got to go to this baby shower. Then I'll fly right back because that weekend my pipes burst in the Berkshire. So I it was like, maybe I should cancel it. I walked in and I felt very honored to be some, about a you know, part of something that really is bigger than we realize. It is. You can't get around it. It really has become a phenomenon. You know, just like in the same way, my grandmother would rush home to watch General Hospital. You know the soap operas. We've kind of
0: replaced. I remember that. three o'clock. It was on at three o'clock on Channel my, Seven. Literally, my grandmother would be like, kids. We got to get home. But that's something I wanted to talk about. I think that in the beginning, it really seemed like the show was. It was like a little silly. There was no glam squads. It was like just very raw. Let's see what happens. But it's really become this. machine and this blueprint for other shows. And I don't really quite understand. I watch a lot of television and a lot of films. You know, I certainly have to because of my job. And and I want to because I think that I think that programming has become so interesting, specifically as it as it relates to women. And um, I love The Real Housewives. I do. I find it I find it incredibly relaxing to watch. I don't know why, because I find some of the scenes extremely stressful. And I'm rooting for people, and I'm angry at people. But why do you think that the show has been so successful? And do you love being on it? Listen, I think you have to
1: be—I mean, my daughter gave me the best compliment the other day. because She's been on my show a couple times. And she said, you know, my mother made a choice after Richard passed to transform herself into something that I, quite frankly, wasn't even, you know, sure of. And I think it takes a lot of bravery to do it. I'm not talking about myself, I'm talking in general because you know we put our lives out there and it's not scripted. And they literally just show up into your your, your house and you start. I mean of course we all know what we're doing, we're doing mm-hmm. a show, but in order to make an authentic show it's important that the characters in the show are seamless. Like I always try to say to people, I hope I'm somewhat the same person on the show that I'm off the show. So people don't meet me and say, God, you're nothing like you are in the show. People, thank God, tend to say, my God, you're exactly like you are in the show. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, and I think it's it's become for me, not only a a platform, but a tool to say to people, you know what? Yeah, I go through shit too. You know, we all like to think, because of Instagram and all this stuff, that everyone's perfect, no one has problems. And it's an opportunity for for me to have reached out to so many different people, even when I've made mistakes and truly, you know, screwed up on the show. It's a learning tool. And, you know, as much as you get a lot of negative feedback, you also get an incredible amount of positive feedback. Like, oh, my God, I've done that too. Or especially with me talking about being a young widow and going through that process I've met so many wonderful people in groups or people that just have a big change in life, women that have gone through major change, which is something I feel and have always felt we don't talk about enough with women in their 50s, their body Sometimes their relationships, their children leave. No one, they put such a negative spin on that, our society. It's really not. It is hard. I said to Dr. Denti the other day, uh, she's a person that does a lot of anti-aging. I'm like, why does no one ever talk about that dirty secret of no matter how much you work out, no matter how well you eat, no matter how many trainers you've had, 50 rolls around and you're like, what's happening to my waist? How did that happen?
0: I have to say, I'm aware of other things that are occurring, which is also very heartening. Well, it's an acceptance, just
1: like when you, like you said, just had a baby. Your body changes. You're not, you, you got to accept it.
0: It can be beautiful too, though. It is beautiful because your brain is changing. But that's what we have to do
1: as women. We have to shift the mindset. It is beautiful. Okay. Like literally, I cleaned up my closet six months ago and I'm like, I'm not wearing a mid drift anymore. Yes, it still fits at some level, but that's not happening, and that's okay. Let's replace it by something beautiful, beautiful white blouse. Or, you know— it's okay that I'm I'm not making dinner every night for Hannah. The freedom of being 55 or going to 55 and really owning my life and not having to be a mother, a wife, a whatever, just doing Dorinda with no title is incredible. Freeing. I earned that. As opposed to the women running around the I'm afraid to be lonely. No, this is fantastic. We're gonna walk this earth hopefully for another. Well, me, myself, I'll be walking in another 50 years. I'm going to be one of those women in page six. How did you lift to 110? <laughs> lots of sleep, lots of water, and a good glass of brandy at night. That's going to be me. I really have learned to just be... I still want
0: to look my best. We still want to tweak and do little things we can. Do you feel a lot of pressure, you know, when the season cuz I do think that that's also been an interesting no, thing. You don't I feel really a lot of don't. pressure to change yourself No. or to go on a diet, you know, before you start filming no, or No, because it's I show
1: my real life. I mean, I try to be uh you know, healthy, conscious, spiritually, physically, mentally. I'm just it's a work in motion for me all the time because it You know, if I'm good, then I can present myself to the world the best I can. And, you know, I try to, I I, kind of hold myself up as someone that would like to teach what I've had to
0: go through and be honest about that. Well, speaking of that, we were talking about the early years. You're going to be going into season 12. I can't even believe it. Season 12 is going to be my sixth year. Can you imagine that when I went on the
1: show, I said to everyone, okay, I'll do it, but I'm only going on for one year and I'll probably only end up being a friend and I'll never forget it. The cameraman came in. They switched on the camera. I looked at the camera. I was like, I like the camera? And I think the camera likes me. (laughs) And off to the races we went six years
0: on. I find out a very therapeutic process. I mean, I think that that's one of the most beautiful things. Everyone listening, just just take this in for a second. It just goes to show you that anything can happen. And I really think that you think that you have your life figured out. You Mm -hmm. think you know where you're going. You think you know what's coming. Preach. And... But it's a lot of other things. It's not just Listen, that. if someone said and, to me 10 years ago right when Richard was
1: alive, I'm going to show you a crystal ball, and this is who you're going to be in 10 years, I'd be like, what are you crazy? I am Mrs. Metley. I go to Washington. I da-da-da-da. My husband's a speechwriter for this. And da-da-da-da. My mother always says life is like a book. Just in the same way you wouldn't read chapter one in the last chapter— you got to really be involved in the in-between chapters. So live in the chapter you are because you think you know what's going to happen at the last chapter, but it could be very different. So you're in chapter 6. Live in chapter 6. And then let 7 happen in 8 because you don't know. We would. How many times have we read a book and at the end of it we're like, I had no idea it was going to end like that. That's not what was happening in chapter 5. I think you got to run your life like that a little bit. I mean, obviously, Foley, we can't give into everything, but it's important to allow life to happen because even with this broken rib, to make space for for change,
0: yeah, for
1: change, for magic, it, for it. all of that stuff, peace. I mean, I broke this rib last week. I was horrified. I'm like I can't stop. I the doctor's like well 4 to 6 weeks. I'm like well that's not happening. Okay, I got to I got to do a aerobics class on Wednesday. He's like, "Uh oh, no, you're not." So, I have to by the end of this now it's been only a week I've been doing all this wonderful rejuvenation stuff which led me to all these other things I found out about. And I'm ready to have someone break another rib. I want to it's been so healing mentally to drop out and be selfish with my time. I had a wonderful conversation with my mother and why I emphasize conversation is because my whole life with everyone on the phone, I can't talk right now. I got to go. Okay. 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 Can you just text it to me? So my mother calls, how you doing? I said, I'm doing great. I'm just laying down, just lounging around. Okay. I know you're busy. You have to go. I said, no, I don't. I can have a conversation with you. A loungy, wonderful conversation conversation with my mother and I'm listening to you <laughs> and I missed it I'm like yeah. this has been a he- this is not about my rib healing that's a good Something reset for you healed in this 10 days and I- I've been really self-reflective I've cried about 10 times but that's okay well what do you think is healed that you know what this need to please I have an overwhelming need to
0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month.
2: Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: To please. And then I get angry when I over please, which is not the person's fault. It's my fault. And then half the time, I don't even remember what. Like I look at my old calendars, I don't even remember why I did it, what I did it, or what came out of it. Not that I'm saying it's unimportant to give back, but do stuff that's valuable for all parties involved. Because the more you need to please, the more people want you to please. And the more people that want you to please, the more you have to do. And it just creates this vicious cycle. So you have to become very conscious. Your time is important. Did you feel depleted? Very much. You know, it's So, I'm telling you, God, whatever it is, I'm quite religious and spiritual, but it doesn't matter if you are. Everybody has their thing, yoga, yogis, whatever you want, as long as you find peace, peaceful places. Where about three years ago, I said to my mother, you know, I'd like to just check into a hospital. I mean, literally just have someone put on a IV, give me that hotel clicker that's actually attached to the bed so you never lose it. And just have them bring me in my food three they times do. a day. It is attached to the bed. <laughs>
0: so I want to go back to the early seasons of The Real Housewives. You're one of the characters or one of the housewives that's brought this depth to New York. And I think Bethany has really too. And I think that you sharing life in the wake of your late husband, Richard, I think has been, it's been beautiful because it hasn't been about you crying. Sometimes, you know, you do cry. and, And I think you're able to share that with and bond with some of the other women. But I think that you've taught a lot of people about grief and about what it is to live with grief and to actually not feel sad all the time. Correct. Because I think that people relate grief to depression, to being in mourning, being yeah. doing
1: the—they used to call it doing the Queen Victoria—and and that like you're not allowed like things you should be shameful of. I remember one person called me about. Just to start dating John, I met John. Richard passed in November. I'd known John before
0: that. And, action- and Richard, it was unexpected, right? It was. Yeah. It came on really suddenly. Yes, within six months, and she, he knew. John. That makes me really like. Just we should appreciate. I would never because it's it. like really you just. I think that we don't realize how fleeting it is sometimes, and when Correct. I when I'm complaining about my you know my body i'm always thinking like i'm so lucky to be here so lucky lucky so lucky, lucky to, to be wake here. up
1: every day and just be able to look outside yes. and be able to serve yourself breakfast and breathe in breathe out and i mean it's it truly it, it, sickness pain all that it's debilitating and not only is it debilitating to the person going through it remember i always say that when someone dies or is sick or in tr- extreme pain or has dementia the whole family's sick mm-hmm the whole family sick, so people forget that the caretakers, the uh, you know, people that are responsible, because they're like you, you feel a sense of guilt because what do my responsibility gonna, responsibility What are you going to do? Go visit them in ICU for ten hours and then go party? No, you're no. like you know that's your life. My brother-in-law's mother just died, and I said to him, "Aren't she And she was older; she was in her nineties, and he was her conservator. So he held the conservatorship. So you know he had to make all the decisions. And I said, Mark, I know you're going to, it's going to be weird that I ask you this question, but aren't you kind of relieved? And he said, I am. He said, I, I just haven't been able to, all I can think about is the decisions for my mother for the last months. And people forget about that person. You know, the patient, ad, there's, the patient advocacy thing really needs to be looked at. And you should be very educated when you're involved with any kind of Uh, Because you're fearful the whole time and you think there's these demigods that tell you stuff in the hospital that know everything. It's not true. Mm -hmm. It's a learning curve. And it's okay to say when people die, like I've said it on the show. Yes, I was very sad when he died, but I was like, enough already. We're done with this. I mean, I know that sounds horrible, but I actually said to Richard at one point, I can't, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Something's got to give here. I swear to God I said that. And I'm not ashamed to say it because everybody gets tired. Was he at that point? Yeah. Yeah. In and out. But you know, it just people wanna make everything so light and fluffy and beautiful. It's not. It's hard.
0: Yeah, it's really
1: hard. And sometimes the person you're caring for is not nice to you. No. It's not like you walk in and they're like, I'm so happy to see you. Thank you so much for being yeah, here. Yeah, you're not
0: like clutching each other the whole no. time. My father, who died about six years ago and he died really suddenly as well. He died after a month being admitted to the hospital. And I remember thinking what a gift it was that my mom didn't have to be looking after him in hospice or deal with the decision of having him come home. And he was very mean towards the end. I don't even know if he was fully conscious. Probably
1: not. But unfortunately, you know, someone said once to me, well, they're suffering from dementia. Poor him. I'm like, no, poor, poor person that's taking care of him. He doesn't remember a thing. He's happy as a lark. He's just waiting for his next meal. It's the poor wife that's got to take care of him every day and see this terrible collapse of this wonderful human being that was everything to you turn into a crumble of sand. The person that has dementia, they're just like, is there any more jello, please? people really do not really take on the the full scope of the guardianship of the, yeah, of the, loss. Of the yes. caretaker yes. and of the person that's going through
0: it it's yeah. a group effort well going back to grief really quickly because obviously it was a very heavy season with Bethany and everything she was ah, going through and terrible So terrible. And it was just his anniversary, August 10th. Can you imagine? I mean, it was so obvious on the show how difficult that was and how She started filming three weeks after it happened. I don't understand how she did that. And I think something that was really beautiful that came out of this last season was this sort of respect in moments for each other and the pain that each person was going through. And I think you were really wonderful about that with her. But what do you think is most surprising about grief? Uh... What is the most surprising thing about grief? Well, I think
1: it is something that no one should give you an opinion about. There is no right or wrong way to do it. There's no right or wrong way to feel. It's not sitting around crying every day. Everybody handles it differently. So when people say, well, do you think that it's wrong? that, that, that I'm like, no, I don't. I think you really have to accept that the person is gone forever that they would want you to continue your life. And however you do that is your personal choice, and people should have no opinion about it. I actually had an instant where someone started passing judgment on me. I said, really? Because if you want to come and live in my house and sit with me every day and go through this journey, then you can have an opinion. But the truth is you're calling me from the Hamptons with your husband and your family having a great weekend. So please do not pass judgment on my process Mm -hmm. because it is. You own the process. Did they, they hear you? Did, they, did yes. they accept it? Okay. Yeah. That's good. I mean, you know me, I'm opinionated. I don't hide You? It. It. No. <laughs> and I no. think whatever it takes, you have to do it. If you want to drop out for a year, if you want to fall in love with someone else, if you want to just go mourn, whatever it is to get you through it. And my mother said to me perfectly one day, I was like, do you think Richard's bad? He's like, she's like, oh, Richard's not part of this earthly world anymore. That's over. He's done. He just wants you to be happy. If he wants anything, he wants you to be functioning and happy. I was like, oh, well, that's good. It is. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because when you put it like that, this effigy of to death is just ridiculous. I found the whole, I hate to say it, and I know I'm probably going to get a lot of negative response to this, but I found the whole process of the funeral home and the burial thing ridiculous. I'm sorry I did. I'm in this funeral home, and they're like, just these sheets. I'm like, are you kidding me? We're talking about pillows? No, what you know? This is my budget.
0: Let's get this done with, and let's keep it moving. You know, I mean? I'm sorry. I but I look at death very differently. I think that's surprising because I think that as bonded as you are, and as unique a connection you have with John, it's like there still feels like there's Richard kind of like in the periphery. Well, I think he always will be. He's part of my history. Of course, of course. You know, Hannah's um, first father's a big part of my life. It's a quilt of my life. You can't take out the patch. There should be a big hole there. I just want to tell everyone. To make things even more exciting, right now, Dorinda's partner, boyfriend John, is in Salt the and list- the Stain, the yes. Maverick of Fabric. He is in the listening room right now, and he's going to be joining us. <laughs> well, let me tell you, the last time I had him on my radio show, I uh,
1: make it nice. He talks nonstop. This guy, I got him on the radio. Swear to God! So here we are, Tay Dorinda Miley. I'm here. I got my boyfriend, the Salt and the Stain, the Maverick Fabric, John Modessian. Hello. I said, Are you kidding
0: me? I literally hit him over the head Maybe during he commercial. Was feeling a little shy. Oh,
1: really? I well, think
0: so. <laughs> I think sometimes I think shyness som- is
1: for four-year-olds. Okay, anything past four-year-olds is unacceptable
0: in my book. <gasps> there he, he is, John. John. You know, I, I met agree. John through Richard. I mean, that's kind <laughs> of a beautiful. Does that does, has that ever been disclosed on the show? Yes.
2: Hello, ladies.
0: John and Richard used to hang out all the time at the CORE Club. So I just want to welcome John Medesian. Welcome to Unstyled.
2: Thank you, Christine.
0: It's Mm -hmm. so nice to have you here. You've become a really popular figure. Why do you think your relationship with John is so polarizing to everyone? Because they want to compare it to my relationship with Richard.
2: I think also that we're probably one of the few people on the show that have a real relationship.
0: That are in a relationship. In a relationship. For seven years for seven years. but I sometimes find that people want to shit on happiness. Well, I, also, also I,
2: definitely too. Definitely on that show.
0: And also, too, I think people have what they believe a relationship is. We don't have a very conventional relationship,
1: although he stayed over the last three nights. That's unusual. <gasps> yes, three and, nights and, in and a as, row. And as, as, as we know. all know, Dorinda makes it nice. <laughs> she
2: cooks, she cleans, but I do the dishes. They were laughing this morning because li- they do... saw us interacting. She's like, I'm like, <laughs> honey, I don't have a, a handle for yeah, my so razor blades. Yeah, she's not a two-year-old. really? You're going to bother me with that at 8.30? Hey, morning let me tell I gotta you folks, go to this what John is. Oh. This is
1: John in the morning. That's reasonable, though. Uh, uh, Baby, uh, where's the toothbrush? Where's the, my razors? Do, can you yeah. get me a towel? Do, did we have coffee? I'm like, you know what? It's I'm time like, to go. I'm not but doing this. Okay, I, I, this is good for Saturday mornings. Right. Maybe Sunday, but midweek, this shit does not happen.
2: I was like, right? okay, during okay. it's a podcast, and no I gonna see my three o'clock shadow. Let's do this.
0: I think you look great. Oh, thank you. You I lost twenty six pounds. Yeah. <gasps> <gasps> yeah. Congratulations. That's thank awesome. You. That's not easy. Yeah. So, what do you think, John? I want you to tell me first. Go ahead. What do you think works in your relationship with Dorinda? What do you think is the most special kind of quality and that you guys really click?
2: Well, one of the things I wanted to share just to kind of set the record straight is that Dorinda and I met pre the show, so we had no, oh, no,
1: I didn't. We didn't. We met as friends. Suspicion we, that you guys, right, like, right, Bob. That we you were we were we, in a
2: relationship. Uh-huh. prior to the show oh, yeah. so we had a normal organic relationship mm-hmm. the show does throw a lot of different things and a big giant microscope over both of us and pretty much everything we do and then uh, I guess you know you always have to be nice to all the ladies because some of them are not nice back but then we live and we learn
0: and they're genuinely being not nice are they doing it I, just for like I, I ratings? I think it's
2: part of the drama yeah. and if you can hit the goblin? No, the No some
0: of them have been genuinely not
2: nice I mean, off th- the show and I, on the I show I think it, <laughs> most people that know us love us but there, it's like, let's k- kick him or let's hit him. Well, and then John we'll doesn't We'll find fit out the if he's a good guy no, afterwards. But also if he can take John, it. John,
1: you didn't fit the mold of what everybody thinks. These women think you should there be. There is no mold. That's yeah, it. There mean, is no
2: mold. You can bow and they'll still, you know, whatever. But it is what it is. We've We've, we've grown from we've that you stay strong. Yes, we have. So. Here's the
1: good news I don't give a shit. <laughs>
2: Okay, I'll just say ditto, okay, I won't say that. And I also wanted to say for a second as I was listening to this last 45 minutes of- uh, Have
0: you enjoyed uh, it? Is it a good show?
2: I gotta tell you, Dorinda, I love you. I'm blessed to have you. Every word out of your mouth is substance with love. And it's all heartfelt. So that's, that's nice. one thing I got to tell you. The You know, the thing that she shares with me is invaluable. So everything that she shares comes from her heart. It's sincere. It's all for the better welfare of myself, who's so close to her, and anyone else that comes into contact with her. So, you know, normally we have a dialogue. This was just a monologue or, or your dialogue that I was, you know, listening to for the last 45 minutes. And it's amazing. So well, God bless you, you and thank you.
0: Oh, that's... Yeah. I mean, sweet. Can I get I a know. kiss? Everybody, oh, <laughs> look, okay. I mean, you don't crazy. <laughs> no, I mean, that's how I. Feel.
2: He's a big I mean, kisser. I was back that's there okay. listening Kissing saying to good. everybody, I was like, Kissing "She's amazing," you
0: know. <laughs> she is amazing. She is amazing, and I think the show can be very deceiving in a lot of ways. Oh, yes. yes, I think it's a genius sort of vehicle, I mean. and I and I'm obsessed with Beverly Hills in New York, and I have had to like scale my 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 viewership down because I have so much to do. But I think that it's not an easy medium to really yeah. like thrive in. But I'll tell you the truth. Yes, there is editing, but you know they they have to they have to edit it. If they were, I mean,
1: for God's sakes, we film five days a week, eight show hours a day the for how long? How many weeks? Parts. Uh, for four months. I think the thing that are you kidding me? For four months? Yeah. So I mean, of course they edit it, and sometimes even when I watch it, I'm like, really? Because you know, while well, I'm speaking and filming, all the other girls in different scenes, so they have to m- merge it together.
0: I mean, the whole show can't be us just all getting along, sitting around. I also think that it's just, it, it, I don't know that I could ever do it, because I no. think that I'm so uncomfortable with constant conflict and working through that conflict in the face of all of this adversity. It must make you strong. There's also a lot of laughter. You yeah. weigh it out,
1: you know, because there's a lot of good that comes. I mean, yeah. people love to focus I on was the just negative.
2: referring to, like, the, she did a lot of charitable things yes. and a lot of, good things and things with the church and things with uh, you know the homeless people. I do wish they, they showed didn't, more they didn't of that. But ca- they didn't capture any of that really heartfelt stuff. See,
0: he has a good point. Well, He's okay, right. That's that all I wanted point, to yeah. say. He's not let's saying shift, they're manipulating. Yeah, let's, let's talk about but our that's something that I was going back to in the beginning is that yeah. I think that the whole thing with Carol Radswell and just like how a lot of people didn't know about her incredibly important career as a journalist. And I think that it would be nice if we learned a little bit more about your lives and your careers and The work that you've done coming into the show, it's not just coming into the show and just being, like, rich and famous. Well, I think
1: I do do that a little better than maybe—I mean, I do talk about my old life quite a bit, my life in London and stuff. I think also, too, getting back to Carol, Carol didn't actually talk about it that much. I mean, it is up to you to talk about what you want to get out there. And I don't think I talk about my old life a lot because— I find that, I don't like when people talk about their old lives too much. I, I'm all about living in the present. There's mm-hmm. nothing worse than wanting into those women on the Upper East Side that were married 20 years ago that are still wearing the pair of Papagala shoes they bought in Palm Beach in 1984, and were married to say so- well, you know what probably I mean? they
0: all come to your dry cleaner, don't they? <laughs> And you guys met through Luann?
2: No, we no. met. At the, we were both we're members met. of the Core Club. Oh, okay. okay, and then I was friends with Richard from being that's right. Richard, members. I'm sorry, yes. And we used to Luan. be social, sorry, and, you know, have dinner together. Form. And then there was just you know a period where I didn't see Dorinda or Richard for almost a year. And then I saw her there, and I said, Dorinda, where have you been?
1: I've missed you. Uh, where's you look Richard? Beautiful. And she
2: goes, having you, didn't <laughs> he you here. No. You know, no, I didn't say that. I said, Dorinda, where have you I've been? You. Where's Richard? How have you guys been? And she goes, Didn't you hear? He passed. And I said, Oh my God, you know, that's terrible. And what would a, a, a real friend do? I'm like, you know, because I was a fun jovial guy and I said, Let me casserole. No, I said, Let's let's get together, you know. And so I met her for dinner and I was Did at you have the martinis? Cre- uh, no. I, well, yes. I don't know. I'll get to that part. So I met her for dinner and I was up in the steam room and I'm, you know, I was a single guy back then and I was very, you know. Did you dance like that? He's, he's he still dances and I, and like came, that. And I, came, okay. and I came down like 15 minutes late to dinner and I was like, hey, they're in the, you know, very mm-hmm. jovial and I'm like, hey, I'm sorry I'm late. How you doing? And she like, I had one drink done and she's like, let's just get something straight. <laughs> if you're ever late again, it'll be the last time we see each other. I'm like, oh, shit. This is a serious <laughs> woman. She's like she's not a yes, no problem, okay type of woman. On, she's like, like a real woman, and this is <laughs> the first time I dated. gonna
1: be late on me. What, Mrs. And this is the first time I did. it. Oh boy, okay, we got, we got some teaching teachings. Yeah, do here. I,
2: I've been learning. I mean, I have a PhD in life thanks to Dorinda now, and I have a. I'm a refined twenty nine man right now there you go (laughs) so let's let's do it gentlemen pay attention listen to the women because you can learn something
0: all right so one more thing from each of you just really quickly what is your favorite thing to do together
2: we love to she cooks amazing and i became a great cook yes. she we love to go to the berksh's and just relax but we'd love to literally like after we do all our basic stuff we love to get in bed together and watch great movies and netflix series what, i mean what's we're, last watching, we're, what's watching, last movie? we're watching what we're watching we're watching the crown we love it oh, it's God, amazing so
0: good i can't wait for the new season to come out <gasps> That yeah. and, and uh, Shits List. What's it called? Shits uh, Creek. Shits
1: Creek. Creek. I'm yeah. abs- we're obsessed Schitt's with that. Shits <laughs> Creek. It's funny. Schitt's
2: it's funny.
0: Okay. What do you think? What's your favorite thing to do
1: with John? My favorite, you know, the thing that I love, uh, the thing that I think brought us together is we have the same sort of family values. Yes. You got to remember, I grew up very ethnic. I'm half Italian, half Polish. I like, love everything about home and feeling safe yeah. and feeling and sound. We love going to
2: church every Sunday. Yeah. And we, and lo- we look forward to it. We so, have like a Saturday. a great night, friendship. We're we watch our movie. We make sure we're in bed at a decent I hour. I think she asked me the o'clock. question.
1: I think she asked me the question.
2: I'm sorry.
0: It's okay. Oh, I don't mind. There you go. I know. Come on, give him a break. <laughs> give me he a just break. Is excited? Yeah, well,
1: too excited. Mm, it's My sorry,
0: show.
2: <laughs> I guess. I guess you're here I shouldn't listen. For me, John, you're barely uh, a guest. I guess. Sad. I, 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 I should tell you. I guess I, I'm I, the same I, way. I should listen to no, her prior to come in for 45 minutes. I got too excited. So okay. No, 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 no. That's no. I
1: think we just have a really great commodity, and it's not. You know, it is what it is. We we have great times. We fight. We live. We eat. We talk. That's what being in
0: a relationship. We problem solve. We're our each other's safe place.
2: Yeah.
0: I love that. That's yeah. beautiful. Dorinda Medley, I had so much fun today. Thank that you so much great. for coming on Unstyled. and we come back someday? I will come back whenever you want. I love talking with you. Oh, thank you. And we are going
1: to spend some time in the Berkshires. Yes. Well,
0: I just want to say, if I'm lucky enough to get an invitation to Bluestone Manor, can I stay in the fish room? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. I want to the stay in the fish room. The fish room is beautiful. I mean, I know it is. Okay, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so
1: much. That was great. Oh, I'm sad it's over. I
2: stay in the fish room.
0: I hope you're inspired after hearing Dorinda's story. For even more Unstyled extras, check out Refinery29 or my Instagram at Christine Barbrick. You can also join the conversation using the hashtag Unstyled across your social media. And of course, we'd be infinitely grateful if you'd please subscribe to Unstyled on Apple Podcasts and rate us while you're there. You can head over to refinery29.com to find this episode and more, and make sure to sign up for our exclusive Unstyled newsletter delivered straight to your inbox every week. Our show today was produced by Rebecca Easley and Jay Brunson, with production assistance by Kate Spencer. Unstyled was edited by Priscilla Mena and Anna Costanza, and our writer is Kelsey Miller. Our theme music today is by the artist Kauf, and we recorded Unstyled with Paul Ruist at Argo Studios and Gotham Podcast Studio. We'll see you back here next Monday for a conversation with actress and activist Alyssa Milano on Driving a Grassroots Revolution. See you then.